so that the, the, the product's consistent and also that the um, standards are, are the same. So like the, the assessment criteria remains consistent and um, that the trainers who are making those assessments are making the right decisions and they've got a framework to, to do the right thing to or to do the, a consistent thing and it's marked against a, a framework. It's not like a trainer's, one trainer's decision. fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? This episode is brought to you by Hike and Ride, the home of custom-fitted ski boots and where the ski shop comes to your front door. Book your appointment now at hikeandride.co.uk. Hike and Ride, adventure delivered. Head UK are proud sponsors of the Basie Interski Team, hosted this year in Levy, Finland, March 26th to 31st, 2023. Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are, and welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today, I'm really excited to have with us Mr. Jazz Bruce from Basie. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. No worries. Well, it's kind of nice. We were, we were chatting a little bit beforehand, uh, and you're saying you're all getting ready for uh, for Interski, which is coming up soon, which we'll chat to you about in a little bit. But before we do that, um, obviously, you and I were saying that... Uh, you're, you're a little bit further north than where I am, but why don't you let everybody in as to where you are and wh- where you're dialing in from? Yeah, currently I'm I'm in Edinburgh, and um, that's where I'm originally from. Um, but through the winter, I'm based in Val d'Isere in France. I've been there since uh, 2010. Um, so yeah, over 10 years now. Uh, and yeah, I'm based in Edinburgh in the winters now, uh, in the summers, sorry, now. Um, but I did 13 years in New Zealand in uh, their winter, our summer, uh, up until uh, I think 2018 was my last season down there. Um, but now, yeah, Edinburgh in the summer and that is there in the winter. Wow. So if you do a back to back, I mean, have you counted up how many actual winters you've done? I mean, that's, that's probably like it's years you haven't seen summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of winters. Um, it's probably around about the 30 mark, I think. Oh, um, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, a lot of a lot of winter. I think my parents are convinced that in the future I'm gonna start chasing the summers at some point, but um I'm not there yet. <laughs> That's fair. Well, obviously, uh you so say you're in Edinburgh right now, but um when you grew up, I mean, uh what what's your earliest skiing memory that you recall when you when you were when you were younger? Oh, my earliest memory when I when I was on skis. Um yeah. I do I have a vague memory of of skiing with um my my parents. Um I think it was in one of the sort of small French resorts when I was growing up like three or four. Um I can't I can't remember what resort it is, but I remember skiing in between my mum and my dad's legs. Um but I also remember uh skiing up in Scotland as well, so up in Cairngorm. Um, when I was younger, um, going through that, and then I I spent a lot of time on the dry slope as well when I was learning to ski or or learn going through levels of, um, you know, getting uh, more proficient as I as I was getting a bit older. But 
yeah, I do remember, you know, I, I skied when I was like three or four. So earliest memory was a long, long, long time ago now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just basic stuff in between people's legs. Um, I do do remember it. And what is it do you think that clicked with you with regards to skiing and snow sports versus perhaps like, I don't know, football or, mm. you know, running sports or something like that. What clicked with you on that? Yeah, good question. I think um, I did a lot of sports as a kid. Um, did a lot of athletics, um, football when I was very young and and then rugby as well. And I, I liked all sports, but with skiing, yeah, I, I think it was um, the, the sort of freedom and speed Um you know, just being outdoors and and just having my uh, yeah, I think it's that sense of freedom and and speed for me. And then when I when I got into ski racing as well, that was like a a sort of competitive side um, for slalom, giant slalom. When I was when I was younger, um, that was you know that was a is this kind of unique sport because you're. It, although you sometimes train as a team and there's a, a sort of social element to it as well it was it's an individual sport and it's sort of you against everyone else but ag- ag- I guess against the mountain so yeah for me it's probably freedom and speed um and I think also on a sort of not looking at it from a sporting side more of a sort of recreation it is a very sociable sport and I, I say this a lot to uh like clients that I have um you know it's one of one of the only things that I I believe you can you continue to do as um as a family I guess and I've taught sort of generations of um you know grandparents parents kids and you know when kids get to like I don't know 15 16 and they want to go and do something else that they always still come back and ski together. Mm. So it's a, it's a really sort of special, unique sport that, you know, I think a lot of people um, continue to do through all their years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to do together. Um, so yeah, that's, totally. that's also something, yeah, pretty special. Mm. And uh, if you were to, if you were to, if we were to snap our fingers and mm. if you were to have your fantasy day of skiing, what yeah. would it look like? Would it be like hard race, uh, hard, you know, gates in the morning and powder in the afternoon? What would your fantasy, perfect fantasy day of skiing look like? Um, it's probably changed over, over the years. Now I'd probably go for um, like an epic powder day um, with a group of friends, um, just sort of hard skiing with fresh snow, um, probably through through trees. Um yeah that would that would be it and then you know like a decent lunch and some beers <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i i think probably though i would have said like you know some maybe more sort of hard packed um pieced skiing maybe a few years ago but i think um i think uh, i would i would want a, a powder day if i had to choose I, maybe that's because I've not had many powder days recently. <laughs> this season has oh, been hard packed the whole season, so maybe that's why. Um, maybe I'm just fantasizing about powder at the moment, but yeah. I say, looking at all the uh, 
the newsreels coming in from uh, the west coast of the united states like that just um, that looks amazing with all that snow so yeah, yeah. it's obviously yeah. snorkel skiing just uh, on the green runs um yeah <laughs> so uh i'm curious as, as we uh take a look at, at your obviously we'll chat to you about interski in a minute but yeah we take a look at kind of your career and your career progression uh progression mm-hmm. was was skiing always the plan? I mean, was it ever a plan B or had you had hopes or dreams to uh, be an entrepreneur, be a doctor or anything like that? What was the, what was the overall career vision? Yeah, I guess when I was at school, I, um, at one point, yeah, I was keen to become a doctor, but um, I then moved into, uh, I was into sort of mass physics and, graphic uh, design and at one point I wanted to be an architect um but as I, I I was always very sporty and and when I um sort of skied more with the Scottish Ski Club um I started competing I started doing quite well in in ski racing mm-hmm. and I got sort of local grants and funding and then I, I got into the Scottish team um that was when um my sort of love for ski racing took over and then you know getting onto the the national team and then the british development team um that was then the drive so my my focus sort of shifted to oh i want to i want to ski race um i still remained at school in scotland you do hire so i I finished i did my hire so that i could uh, go to university and um i did i um got my hires and then I got went full-time with the British development team um and that was uh that was three years where I was I was based in Austria and so I guess it wasn't like skiing wasn't really part of the plan when I was at, at school I guess but because I started doing well I sort of naturally started getting more and more into it and my drive was to be a ski racer um for a few years and then um, I got injured when I was seventeen. Um, the middle year I was I was I was based in Austria, and then um, at that point I think I did some uh, some coaching, and uh, then I went and did my um, I think it was called APC Level One at the time, like the first coaching qualification and the sort of ASI or dry slope sort of Basy Level One at the time or foundation whatever it's called um and then I was like oh there's a there's another sort of aspect to to skiing which is you know teaching and coaching that you know I sort of naturally fell into that and I was like oh because I've got the background of ski racing I then was like oh that's this is something else which I think I could be good at and I loved working with people I like seeing people progress mm-hmm. but that was a sort of natural thing it was when you say like part of the plan, it was never really part of my plan. It just sort of, I say, a natural evolution of um, being involved in in the sport from a young age and, and and ski racing. And that was a sort of good foundation and stepping stone to then move into coaching and teaching. Um, so, yeah, not not planned. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of us in in the snowsport industry that didn't necessarily we've come to skiing in the world of ski teaching and all that it wasn't necessarily part of the overall plan but yeah I think we're probably very grateful that we've done it sure. um, but I'm curious as well with that you know you mentioned you'd like to work with people and see them progress but mm. um 
why is that important to you? Why is it important to you to share your love of, of snow sports? Hmm. I think um, I, because I love it so much, I think I get a kick out of seeing other people get a lot out of it and and something very special about snow sports and being in the mountains um, and sliding and that sort of feeling of coming back to what I said before, a bit of freedom, a bit of speed, a bit of uh, something quite unique. Um, and I think, yeah, it's not as a, as an instructor or as a coach, it's not about me. It's about like trying to help whoever's in front of me get better at the sport and, and like, hopefully, you know, ignite a bit of passion um, in them for snow sports and want them coming back and doing it more and more. And, you know, hopefully they appreciate it as much as, as I do, or, or hopefully they see that it's, or, or they get the same feeling that I get from it. And, when you see that and see them progress and see them enjoying it, like for me, that that's like massive satisfaction. And that's what keeps me, keeps me do you know, keeps me teaching people. And yeah, it's about, it's about their experience and oh, it's, it's something really special if they can, um, if they enjoy skiing and they go away from whatever experience that they have with, with me, then and they want to keep coming back that's that's like job done <laughs> they're hooked they're hooked in yeah um you obviously in your career in Basie now you're um at the uh say upper levels of, of your game or the top of your game we're always continuing improving um yeah. but if you reflect back in terms of your snow sports journey um yeah. whether it's racing or uh, coaching um whether as an athlete who would you say has been your um most influential person you work with or a mentor or something like that 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 and and what was the lesson that you feel you learned from them on your journey through through snow sports or life in general yeah um there's been a few influential people um i think uh when i i mentioned earlier i was based in austria for several years with the development team and we had quite a few Austrian coaches that were their culture is a bit different and they were it was quite a sort of um some would say maybe harsh environment but I learned loads from them um and there was a, a few sort of key individuals in there where um you know it was, at the time you know thinking you're sort of 16 17 thinking you know it all or thinking you uh you know think you're older than you are but looking back I was, I was quite young but actually um there were there was a, a few coaches that were that were great there but it wasn't really until I left the team when I was about 19 I think it's 1920 and I actually the first year I went down to New Zealand I met a coach um uh, called Gunter Bergman and he was running the TCRA at the time um, and I'd started going through Basie stuff and I started teaching and coaching a bit as well. Um, but I wanted to continue my ski racing um, as I sort of moved into university because I wanted to um, go to the World University Games. That was like a, a goal. Um, and so I I continued racing and sort of linked into the, the, the Treble Cone Race Academy 
with a couple of Americans and a, a Kiwi who'd who were all sort of similar age, and we were all like, okay, we'll 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 work with Gunter. We ended up going out to Kirkwood um, and doing some some races together, and that was through my first year of university. And coming back to Gunter, he was the one person who started um, who really started getting me. Uh, it really sort of made a difference in in my sort of mental uh psychological approach to seeing and and made me feel confident about my skiing um after maybe a few years of maybe being uh you know in in races in Europe sort of I was definitely sort of bottom of the pack in Europe in Europe um but when I started like believing in my in my ability and believing um in my um skill set then you know the 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 races started feeling much easier and I was much more confident and I was starting to get some uh just how that sort of psychological um approach had a a, a really positive effect on my performance um and so Gunter was a big big influence on me and you know I started looking at how he coached because he was also Austrian or he he is also Austrian. Um, I've not seen him for a few years. Um, but he had a very American style um approach to his coaching. It was very sort of positive and uh always looking, you know, for the what works well and how they can how uh he could uh sort of enhance the stuff that I was doing well, uh, rather than sort of just constantly focusing on the negatives. Um so he was he was a major uh, sort of uh, I say like coaching role model um, when I first got into sport and I was like okay he's been massively influential to me and I'd like to be that person for someone else um, and it was maybe to do with timing as well because I'd not had someone as positive as that before or certainly for a few years um, there was definitely some coaches in my early years that I can think of that were. Um, really positive at the time and and influential when I was much younger but around about that time after that period of sort of I'd say slightly negative coaching to have that and reassurance and positivity then sort of that helped sort of springboard me into okay I want to be more like this coach and I want to be more like um and start believing in myself to then move into instructing and coaching myself and and take some of those um some of that behavior that I saw in that coach into what I was doing that that's, brilliant. <laughs> that's awesome mm-hmm. it's great that you know you, you obviously you can reflect back and you can kind of pinpoint some of the um the abilities mm. that uh you know that 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 some of your coaches had or um and want to emulate that that's that's mm. I think that's brilliant um so we've mentioned a few times, obviously, uh, Basie, and that's uh, obviously who you were working with and for. Um, and uh, for those people who don't know what Basie is, perhaps you could perhaps give us like a 30,000 uh, view uh, you know, of what it is and what your role is within it, because obviously that kind of then leads on a little bit into um, perhaps some of your experience and ultimately um, kind of the exciting things coming up in a few weeks time. Sure. So Basie is the British Association of Snow Sport Instructors. Um, it is a membership organization, um, responsible for training and licensing of, um, members, um, who are going through 
uh, we've got a sort of different levels of um, instructing and licensing. So level one, two, three, or four. Um, and there are, we're responsible for five disciplines. So there's ski, snowboard, telemark, adaptive, and cross country. Um, and yeah, my role with Embezi is head of product and international relations. Um, so back in 2019, uh, the, the board of directors um, instigated a, a bit of a change process of um, changing the, the internal structure and also the, the board itself. Um, and in that process, um, I was working for Basie um, already as a, as a trainer. Um, so there's about 100 trainers, roughly, across all the disciplines uh, that work for Basie delivering the, the courses. Um, and I worked for Basie since 2008. Um, but yeah, in 2019, the, the sort of internal change there was um, that had, had started uh, to... Um, to happen and then obviously COVID, ha COVID happened in March 2020 and then the, there was an opportunity um, that came up in I think it was about September um, to uh, trainers or external as well to apply for uh, the, the new roles um, in the in the new structure of Basie so I went for that and I was offered the job and I took this job in December 2020 and okay. um, and there was still a little bit of, um, if you remember that, we were sort of thinking that that season was going to kick off again, um, but then there was another lockdown. Um, so I took the role in December 2020. There was We just sort of moved into another lockdown and things were starting to lock down again. And then we had the Brexit deal, um, the trade and cooperation agreement um, at the end of that month. So um, part of my role with uh, on the international side is 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 that um sort of i guess fallout and navigating how the association moves through through brexit and sort of the, the, as i say the fallout for members um and working rights um across europe with with that so that that's part of what i do um but the product side of things i manage a team of um product owners so um for each discipline we've got product owners and then the trainer manager who who is responsible for managing all the trainers um they work um within the product team and i i head that that team up so wow. um yeah that hopefully gives you a bit of an overview yeah <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by a product i'm quite I'm curious about that. i mean i think of you know obviously like a teacup or a you know laptop or a phone as being a product okay, what, do, yeah. what do you mean by a product so when we talk about product within Bayesley, we talk mm -hmm. about the the courses. So gotcha. the members who are in Bayesley who are who want to become or, or who, if people are becoming members of Bayesley to become an instructor, they would have to take a course. So the level one course, for example, that is a product. So the the ski course that someone goes on um, in a snow dome in the UK, and uh, if they go and have that uh do that course um there is a course structure and there's content and one trainer delivering it in the uk it's um should be the same or very similar product to what is in uh if someone does that in the french alps 
it might be very different because there's obviously environmental differences mm -hmm. and the trainer is different. But in terms of the the sort of course content and structure that is um, aligned, we've got a, a framework which is aligned to the um, Scottish Credit um, Qualifications Framework, so the SCQF. We've got, um, yeah, as I say, like the sort of course syllabus and structure is very... Um, so the product's got to be consistent and especially with standards. So technical standards, technical criteria, teaching standards, teaching criteria, all of that has got to be aligned. So in terms of my role as head of product and the product owners, we're responsible for trying to keep the product, the course delivery consistent um, so that, um, yeah, the standards remain remain. Uh, remain high and remain consistent across all all courses so all level one courses or all level two courses um or technical teaching courses mm -hmm. that that makes sense wow that's that's quite a thing so i get are you involved in a fair amount of the the assessment of or the updates and that sort of stuff for um i guess members and trainers as as the throughout throughout the industry or throughout the the organization yeah so we have um, between five and six thousand members, um, and that fluctuates depending on the time of year. Um, the, the the membership uh, comes at the end of uh, September, um, and then through the season, people sort of renew their licenses if if they're not sort of um, on a on a rolling um, thing. Um, but yeah, the 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 trainers um, who deliver the the courses we have uh, trainers conferences or trainer development weekends um annually and we have trainer updates online um so my job and, and my team's job is to as a sister keep the um the training for the trainers um so that the the, the product's consistent and also that the um standards are are the same so like the the assessment criteria remains consistent and um that the trainers who are making those assessments are making the right decisions and they've got a framework to to do the right thing to or to do the a consistent thing and it's marked against a a framework it's not like a trainer's one trainer's decision it's um it it is based off the criteria and it's um backed up um, with other trainers if they're in the right place or that they've got that support and we there's a team of trainers who are um always working together um so yeah that kind of all sits under 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 the product wow that sounds like that sounds like quite an involved role um obviously with that you you're out you're out teaching your peers and colleagues and with that and, yes. and other professionals yeah. um do you get the chance to go out and teach dare I say like the, the general public and uh, mm. if you do i mean not saying which do you prefer because they probably have two different two yeah. different elements but um you know broadly speaking you know walk us through the the differences and or i guess who, who which do you prefer to, to, to teach yeah i think um I've, I've always tried to um teach uh as well as i, I think variety is key with it with, with everything in snow sports and i've always tried to keep my hand in 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 or, or to try different things so for example like uh i did a bit quite a bit of race coaching when i first started but then i moved into teaching and then um 
yeah, as I as I started with Bayesian, I started delivering the courses for for instruct for people who are becoming instructors. Um, I always uh continue to teach as well, and I think um also not just teaching uh, on one level, but I think it's important to kind of teach across levels. So, like total beginners is great because you know their progression is is great if you have them a few days you know that you can really you know make a difference and um, but also sort of high level as well you know if people want to ski off piste or if people want to um ski in the park or you know if you get a group of kids for example that are like age five six seven that's going to be a very different week to teaching adults who are who are out or a corporate group so i think that variety is really key and that that helps also when you're then training people to become instructors because you know you've got to have um a few strings to your bow if you want to teach um full-time you know if you want to make it your profession um there's there's people who who teach um maybe just on the weekends or or as a on on holidays or whatever and that's it's absolutely fine um but the if you're in the industry full-time then i think uh, having that variety is uh, pretty key and yeah, I, I do still teach now. Um, I just work independently um, in Val d'Isère through the, the holiday periods just for um, sort of two weeks Christmas, New Year, a week in February half term and a couple of weeks at Easter. So it's probably about four or five weeks that I do total um, now. And this this role is uh, taking up the rest of my time, um, which is great. And I'm, I, I'm not delivering... Um, courses as much as I've done two courses this year so I've delivered a level one and a level two which is good to sort of stay connected and and understand the the product uh, understand the course delivery side of things um but the stuff I do on snow this year has been um trainer development weekend so in different resorts where our where our trainers are delivering courses um going to those resorts with the product team uh product owners um, and running a weekend so that trainers are uh, working together and collaborating and and we're sort of getting a consistent message across to the training body so that we we sort of see you know what are the tricky things about course delivery and what are the things that we agree on and what things can we um you know have a have a bit of a a line on and say yeah we we should be doing it in this way or we need to change it to this way so there's you know, this sort of cycle of, um, you know, feedback as well is really important from from trainers, from uh, candidates who have been on the courses. We're, we're looking at the feedback a lot more closely and, and, and having this sort of cycle where, you know, we're going to keep looking at the product and keep, uh, I, I keep saying the product, but you know what I mean, the course yes. and the course delivery and how that's going to keep developing every, every year, like all the time. And it shouldn't, we should never sort of sit still because we, there's always something we can do better. Um, but it's the updates and we need to make sure that we keep updating the trainers that, and, and all the trainers are, are really sort of active in the, in the snow sports community. And they're really, um, you know, at the top of their game in all the, all the disciplines that they do. So they're, they have to stay, um, and like, like me, they'll be teaching themselves, um, you know, and the, the, a lot of them have their own ski schools or they work independently and then they do the, they do sort of um, 
two, three courses a year, maybe um, on average, mm-hmm. um, so that they can, yeah, as I say, like they, they deliver a great, great product. That's fantastic. Um, so you mentioned obviously that Eve, uh, obviously do do some of your own independent teaching as well. Um, so uh, we obviously mentioned at the beginning, I talked about your fantasy day on, on snow, perfect day ever, but if you were to uh, have one run, you know, you, you finish teaching your, your lesson, your, 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 um, uh, your, 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 your course, and you yeah. get a, a, to ski down to the valley. Um, yeah. What sort of run would you like to do to kind of keep it exciting for you to keep it fresh? Because, you know, doing, doing day in and day out of technical stuff can get, you know, enjoyable. It's fun to a certain sure. extent, but it's also sometimes you just got to let it rip. So what, what, what would you do for, for fun? If you wanted to just do, you know, keep it fun for yourself when you go for a bit of a bit of a ski. Yeah. I, I mean, if I finish on the hill one day uh, after work, then that's, that's moved different from going out for the day. But I think uh, the variety, as I say, the variety is key. And, and I actually um, like, the the different disciplines so um you know i went out on my snowboard the other day oh and, wow you snowboard too that's fantastic yeah, i was like I, I was like oh, i've not done this for a while but um yeah i love it and actually like some you know i'm not as comfortable on a board so when i get on a board i'm like oh like it, it puts you back into almost you know like uh you know a bit more co- cognitive or associative phase where you're like oh like uh, this is not as uh I'm not as relaxed as I am on skis, um, but I like telemark as well. So you know, oh, and and off piste. Um, I'm not gonna, can't really answer that question because my my preference. I mean, I I am I do like speed, so probably like a sort of um fast um long turn is probably like something. If I just had a run, I'd be like, okay, I'd lo- love to do that. But you know, the I think I like the challenge and this probably is a bit in my personal life as well like i i like a challenge with everything i do so um uh at the moment like i'll i'll go and you know try and improve my park um because that's a sort of weaker area and i i want to improve that as i said on the snowboard like i'd like to improve my snowboard skills in the next few years um so I, i like a challenge and yeah that's probably that's cool um you mentioned as well about um (laughs) not only yourselves but a lot of your your colleagues having to update themselves which leads us on beautifully to uh, obviously every every four years it's kind of i was trying to explain this to one one of one of my um, uh, family members it's kind of like it's the olympics of ski instruction to to Uh a certain extent Uh, yes we have we have interski this year yes and uh so the one beforehand was in bulgaria and then before that Mm -hmm. was argentina Mm -hmm. um so for for those who don't know what Interski is, perhaps you could because uh, you you're heading there and you're taking a team this year, so um, which is fantastic. Perhaps you could kind of explain to people what it is and mm-hmm. how long the UK have been uh, been attending Interski. Yeah, so Interski is the best way of describing it is an international congress for snow sport instructors around the world to come together every four years, and all the associations from the different countries. Um, will then deliver uh, workshops um, on their technical and teaching philosophies um, and their systems. And then uh, on the on the technical side, they will do technical demonstrations. So the each team will do like a a, a presentation or a, a show run um, 
which is is generally uh, synchronized skiing with uh, the team. So. Hey there, and thanks for listening to part one of our conversation. Make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss part two, which is coming out later on this week. Head UK are proud sponsors of the Basie Interski Team, hosted this year in Levy, Finland, March 26th to 31st, 2023.